So a couple of days ago, I went on to my Apple podcast app on my phone and went to two of my favorite podcasts and rated them, gave them five stars. They're my favorite podcast, so I rated them the best that I could possibly, and then wrote a short review. Um, these two podcasts are That Jesus Podcast by Drew Latin and Titus Kipfer. I have really come to enjoy that podcast. Uh, this fall especially, I've been listening to it quite a bit as I commute or do work. They have some tremendous interviews. Uh, some of the most recent ones dealt with uh, women's roles in the church, um, and as well as just uh, similarities between Anabaptists and the black church and just a, a kingdom Jesus-centric faith and expression of the Christian faith, as well as seeing Jesus as a liberator and suffering, um, a suffering king, someone who who loves through suffering. So I've really enjoyed that Jesus podcast. The other one was the the abstract podcast by Javen Bear and Colin Steiner. And I've really enjoyed them. They're they're two guys, but they're going to college and so they kind of process things that they're learning through college or just even just issues that Christians face today. Uh and I've really enjoyed their thoughtful they're fairly well-researched, and they're fairly candid and open. And so those are the type of podcasts that I enjoy listening to. So all of that is a pitch for you. If you have a favorite podcast, if that happens to be Unfeigned Christianity, go and rate it and leave a review. And if it's not your favorite podcast, if it's not something you enjoy... Um, go ahead and rate that as well and let us know. Say say uh, good or bad. <laughs> I am excited to have on to the podcast this week uh, some friends. I have four friends joining me to talk about singleness, singles and the church. And really this conversation is just like an opening up of the can of worms, we could say. Um, there's so much to discuss, so much we we didn't get to. Um, and in, in many ways, this particular episode is more analytical, kind of like analyzing things and critiquing. And uh, we, we've already been had some dialogue about what it would be like to go forward from here, how to have some practical ways of of including singles in our community in a way that they feel loved and cared for and so forth. Anyways, I enjoy, I really enjoyed this episode. I trust you will as well. And we are uh, about a week out from Christmas. I, we had recorded this over a month ago. So it's some of the stuff you hear us talk about might be, might be old news by now, but um, really trust this will be helpful and meaningful for you. And if it is, and if you have appreciated the podcast, you can always support us on Patreon. Patreon 
is the way that we keep things running. If you, if you like the content, you want it to continue, uh, consider supporting even $5 a month on Patreon. It is a way of supporting the work. Without further ado, here is my conversation with four single friends. Thank you guys for joining me. Uh, maybe we'll just kind of go around in a circle and introduce. You can introduce your yourselves, kind of where you're from, what you do. Uh, we'll start with you, Emily, because you're in my top left corner. Uh, you are Emily Smooker from Oregon. Uh, yeah, let us know. You just launched a book. I know that. So tell, yes. tell us a little bit about well, yourself. I guess I'm technically launching it on the 16th, but oh, November okay. 16th. Yeah. But I don't know when y'all. I don't know when this podcast will come out. So. Maybe it will already be launched. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I am a writer. I currently live in Oregon, and I am publishing a book called The Highway and Me and My Earl Grey Tea, and it's about a road trip I took all over the USA, living in a different Mennonite community every single month. And if you want to buy it, you can go to muddycreekbooks.com. Okay, muddycreekbooks.com. Yes. What was the title again? Something about Earl Grey tea. I remember. <laughs> yeah, that. it's the highway and me uh -huh. and my Earl Grey tea. Oh yes, very good. Yeah, so I definitely recommend it. I, I don't think I read. You've written one other book, is that correct? Yes, but that yeah. was like ten years ago. So yeah. please don't judge my current writing style <laughs> off of that book. <laughs> yeah, no, I've I've I follow your blog every now and then, and and definitely enjoy reading the blog, and so I'm sure the book will be good. Is it is it geared toward a certain group of people or is it just kind of lessons kind of um, well I hope that every Mennonite will want to read it to see if someone they know is in it because I'm okay. I can pretty much guarantee that like someone you know is in that book. Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> but I don't know. Usually it's it tends to be, you know, females twenties and thirties that tend to be in, interested in my writing, but okay. um, yeah. More people than that have been interested. It's just that tends to be my typical demographic, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And then we have from uh, Lot, Texas. Is that correct? Abram yes. Martin. Tell yeah. us a little bit about yourself. What, um, what do you do? Yeah. I live here in Lot and I uh, build sheds at the road close next door here. Um, and uh, I'm also the. Uh, uh, assistant chief of the local fire department and I'm uh, and I grew up in New York's upstate New York I uh, grew up old order Mennonite so I grew up horse okay. and buggy left that when I was 20 and uh, through a job I that's what I how I moved to Texas so and I've been here ever since I I love it I will I'm a Texan I will brag on Texas all day long so yeah I've been to Texas. Well, I've been through Texas several times, but I've been to that area. Well, um, Osceola, where's that at? That's kind of close, isn't it? Yeah, it'd be an hour and a half north. So, yeah, yeah okay. I know a lot of people from there. And okay. I think you you spoke at the youth camp there, right? 
Yeah, it was like boys a guy's camp. guy's boys camp. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I had no clue there were so many Mennonites in Texas, but that was that's a fairly big church there. Yeah, they're they're um, we're a lot smaller church where I'm at. Uh, we're a big community with a lot of small splinter churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but yeah, we always say Osceola is like the Mennonite mega church. Okay. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. I never preached. I don't think I'd ever preached a sermon before. And I spoke at the boys camp. I mean, I've pre- I preached sermons before, but not like in a big church, just in our church, which is a, a house church setting. So it's fairly small. Um, and I spoke for the, the boys camp, which is just, you know, 15, 20 guys in a, in a room. And they asked me to do Sunday sermon. And I was like, Oh sure. I'll do Sunday. And I had no clue the size of the church. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's like it's, 300 people or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I I love like doing all kinds of risky things. I don't get scared that easily, except for being on stage. I freak out being on stage. <laughs> I love it. I enjoy speaking, but I freak out being on stage. Anyways, down to my bottom left, Kimberly uh, Kurt from, is that how you say it? Kurt? Kurt? Yeah. It's yeah. spelled different than the, than the, uh, the I do. Yeah. You are from, you are hailing from Virginia. Is that correct? Yeah. So I yeah. live in Lake Ridge, um, which is in Northern Virginia. So it's a suburb of DC. Um, oh, okay. And yeah, so I'm 29. I go to church at um, Followers of the Way in Richmond. There's a congregation in Richmond. Oh. Um, and previously that I would have been Catholic um, and then kind of entered kingdom service in that church. Um, hmm. And yeah, um, I just started a job in the past couple of months working for Sattler College. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you do the uh, admissions. I forget what you said about what you do with Sattler. The admissions? Yeah, so I'm their admissions counselor. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What does an admissions counselor do? Um, so I get to help people kind of through the admissions process, like kind of reach out to people who could be a good fit and make sure they know about it. Um, and lots of other things. Yeah. Like you, you went, you're, that's not the same as the, uh, um, I'm in college too. I'm trying to remember what they call the person who works with me as far as, um, deciding the tract of degree and stuff. You wouldn't do that. No, no, no. That would be more like student services. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Very good. I have followed Sattler from afar and interacted with some of the people there, but I've yet to be at Sattler. So interesting to connect with more people from it. Looks like a a good thing going. And then my brother, Christopher, have you, you've never been on the podcast before, have you? I don't think officially. I think maybe new Patreon or something. Yeah. We've done some other stuff, but I've always talked about bringing you on. And never have until now. So <laughs> well, here we are. Here we are. You're in Philly right now. You yep. abandoned the West Coast and fled to Philly. You break my heart. And uh you you cut meat, is that right? Um, I sell meat. I I don't do a lot of cutting, but um oh, okay. yeah, I work at a butcher shop in downtown Philly. Yeah. And then you also um probably the the more passionate work that you do is in connection with the revolution 
yeah. blog and the yeah. online community there with Do Hard Things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm the editor-in-chief of The Revolution and uh, a community manager with the Do Hard Things community, which is like the the community attached to The Revolution. So they're both connected and it's basically the same audience. Um, but it's with young people, primarily teenagers, um, conservative Christian teenagers primarily um, that I get to interact with and um, yeah, I mean, right to provide content for inspire to do hard things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very good. I, uh, when I was 23 years old, I was newly married. We, we got married at 21. I got married at 21. My wife is actually older than me. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but, um, it's what it is. And, uh, I was 21. We got married. We had a child uh, right away. So very quickly, we have a growing family. And by the time I'm 23 years old, uh, we had our second child, actually, because the first two were very close together. And I was sitting in a church meeting once that um, how many of you guys I don't even know if that's like a common thing throughout churches, like to sit in as a body, to sit in a church meeting, like men, women, young, old, you guys, is that how your church works? I don't, I don't, I don't even know what's normal, but um, sometimes I guess it's just maybe the men or the leadership team or whatever. I don't know, but this was every, we were all there. I mean, yeah, whoever wanted to be there could be there. I don't know that we were all there, but um I was sitting there and I was sitting next to a guy who was 31 and I just remember when it would come to the decisions that would make, would be made, you know how, like right before you make the final conclusion or take the vote or whatever, you kind of look around the room and make sure that like everybody's shared what, see if there were any more thoughts that people wanted to share or anything. And I would always get looked at. And then even if I, um, like if, if two people had given maybe contradictory opinions and then you kind of look around to see if anybody else is leaning one way or the other, um, I would often get looked at. And I, it, it just hit me a couple of times how the, the guy that I was sitting next to wasn't, and he wasn't double checked with to see like, did you have any input or did you have any thought? I don't think it was intentional at all. Um, but that kind of woke me up to the fact because he was single and I'm, I was married. Obviously I didn't ask anybody like, did you not look at him because he's single? Um, but it just kind of woke me up. Uh, I guess that's kind of the trendy language, isn't it? I began becoming woke. Um, I became aware of the, way we over at the time it was like overlook singles or or voice your you begin to have authoritative voice when you get married or something and there's many experiences since then that was six years ago that i've had where maybe i would say something and it carried more weight than than guys and i've i've interacted with a number of guys that are at least eight to ten years older than me but we're single. Um, 
I've had older single guys. <laughs> so I wrote a book on sexuality and I've had older single guys ask me out for coffee to talk about sexuality and to sit in a meeting like that and be like, what, what do I say? Because what, just, just because, just because I wrote the book or just because I'm married or uh, like a lot of life is still the same, whether you're married or single, right? Like the, the, the sexual struggles, the uh, level of maturity, um, like some of us who are married are super immature, even when we're young, surprisingly. <laughs> like, um, and, and even if you're old and single, like you're, you, you've got so much experience and maturity that it's not a sign of immaturity or anything, but I don't know. It just started waking me up to the fact that there's something's off. There's a, I, I can't even, maybe you guys have better words for it, but um, that's, that's what led me to start having conversations with people um, in that time. At the time, I've got an older sister who's older than me. She was, she's still single. Um, but then my younger siblings, even Christopher here is older than I was when I got married, obviously. So, so I've, I've now heard a lot more from single people and I've, I've even written a, a couple blog articles on it and got enough feedback to realize this is one of those conversations that doesn't seem to really be happening. And if anything, it's maybe a bit, uh, controversial or, or vulnerable. Um, and so I, I really wanted to, at, at the very least, open the can. I don't know if it's a can of worms or not, but at the very least, open the conversation and just kind of hear firsthand what, what it's like for singles. And yeah, I don't know where all our conversation will go. We'll, we'll go wherever we have. But um, I'm just curious, and we can go in any order. We can popcorn. We can whatever, but I'm curious for each of you, what do you wish people would know about singleness or, or single life? What do you wish the church would know about being single? Well, I guess I'll start since I'm right here and I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> so uh, the first thing I actually wrote down, like this is literally the first thing that came into my head is that I wish it was, there were more like multi-gender, multi-marital status, social group opportunities. Because like, just social life is so much easier when you're young, you know, you have your youth group, you have your Bible schools, whatever, and then you get older and it's just weird. And you just don't really belong in any space. Like the youth group, there's all these people that will tell you like, Oh, you know, it's such a ministry of older people still go to like the youth group and Bible school and whatever. Like maybe it's a ministry, but it's not like fulfilling in the community way. You know, you don't, your needs don't get met, I guess. And then there will be a lot of like maybe segregated groups, like women's groups um, you can maybe be a part of. But and I don't know how it is for the guys with this, but for like for women or maybe this is just a me personally thing. I don't know. But like in women, I enjoy women's groups. I think it's great to be invited to that kind of stuff. But a lot of times the conversation centers around marriage, husbands, babies, whatever. 
Whereas if it's a, a mixed group with men and women, you just have so many more general interest topics that get discussed. And one of the, um, one of the, like, I don't, I don't have a church right now, actually, because I, you know, the Mennonite church I grew up in, Brownsville Mennonite in Oregon, um, I ended up, I actually left that church in January, but while I was mm-hmm. still going there, you know, there were definitely issues with the church and stuff, but the reason, what, like, probably the biggest reason I stayed so long was because, um, I was feeling very lost with the whole, like, what Sunday school class do I even go to thing? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I really started talking to a lot of people like, hey, you know, why can't we have like a young adult Sunday school class, people in their 20s and 30s, whether they're married or single, like all in the same Sunday school class. And I was actually listened to and like that Sunday school class was started. And the fact that people listened to me and like cared about what I had to say. And then the fact that that group existed that I belonged so well in was really the reason that I stayed at that church for so long. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I just spaced out a little bit. Was that at Brownsville or was that another? That was, that was at Brownsville. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. there were definitely other issues going on with the church, which is like why I eventually left. But mm. I stayed there for a really, really long time, even though there were like lots of issues. And the reason was because I was listened to mm. and mm-hmm. I had that particular social group that I fit into so well. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm I mean y'all could jump in with other ideas, but I'm curious I should have started with this. Like how do you do you feel in your church community or in your local community? Do you feel like you have that place or like is is being um, single in a a problem or it's, Okay, it's really weird to say like in my community now because like I had that Sunday school class which was like my only community that I fit into. Right. And so then, you know, when I traveled all around the U S it was like, I just, I had a hard time finding those groups that were like multi gender, multi marital status. That's where I feel most comfortable. Like you have single people and married people and men and women. Um, I had, and so that's when I realized like, we really have a lack of these spaces. Hmm. So that's what I wish Hmm. people knew. Like, we need more of those spaces, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think they'll be beneficial for everyone, but you know, particularly (laughs) the single people. (laughs) Well, so I'm assuming everybody else agrees with that. Do you all agree with that? Yeah. Would you feel that Kimberly, do you feel that in your church too? Um, not really. So, so like my church is kind of like, I mean, we meet in the living room and so I'm, I'm our only single person. Um, and which, which is fine. But like, yeah, they're very aware. Um, so they've kind of really mm-hmm. gone out of their way to make me feel really included um, and make sure that I'm not left out. Like I had to kind of mention at some point, like, like one of the ladies, like she wouldn't ask me to babysit. And I think it's because she like felt so strong that she didn't want me to feel like that was the only thing that I could do. Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, no, no. Like, while I say that, like I have other skills and there are other things I can do, that doesn't mean I won't <laughs> babysit. Yeah. <laughs> saying I have other gifts to offer. Um, so yeah, so they've been particularly aware. I've definitely been in larger church settings where people have definitely viewed single people as just like volunteers and not much else. Yeah. 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 Go for it, Christopher. You look like, well, I w- no, I was just going to say like, it's, it's hard for me to say for sure because I've been in transition 
um, the last number of months. And I haven't really been able to plug into a church here in, in like a natural way because of COVID and stuff. But um, I feel sometimes I sometimes feel a little funny talking about single stuff because I don't feel like I've had a terrible experience. Like I, I haven't hit like some of those um, really negative parts of singleness that are that are often common. I can see them and I can see totally like how they happen and I've watched them happen. But I just personally, um, our, our church in LA was pretty young people dominant i think i mean it was it's a small house church kind of similar to kimberly's church i'm sure i don't know size comparison but um i mean half half the people half the time were half the adults were um single i mean half the time um but so i didn't really ever feel like i like i stuck out or like i didn't fit in anywhere because i mean that was the you know, a, a big chunk of the church was single. And so we would hang out or we would do things. Um, I, th- I think, I think the, the biggest thing that, that I would feel just in general, I mean, outside of a church context, but kind of still in a community context is just this idea that like when people get married, all of a sudden, like they start going on double dates with people and, and in like a single person never gets asked out on a double date. Like, I mean, I mean, for obvious reasons, like, it, it would be it would be a triple date or whatever. Um, I don't I don't know what that would be. But, I mean, so so like it's it's for obvious reasons, but like it's like this weird line that if you know you have to have like in order f- for couples to connect, you have to there has to be like an equal amount equal like the gender representation has to be equal in order for them to have a good time. And I have nothing against. Single, you know, couples having dates to you know double dates, whatever. But I'm just, I just use that as an example of like kind of these. I th- I think they seem natural to us, but when you think about it from a single person's perspective, it's a little bit of an arbitrary line line to draw, where it's like all of a sudden now now that those two people have married each other, they can hang out in a more natural way with that other couple that like I think I you know could naturally hang out with as well. Yeah. I, I don't know. Does that make sense? That kind of yeah, I mean, it it does. I'm I'm curious, what would like would would you actually be into going on a date if if Teresa and I were going on a date? <laughs> it's different because we're family, right? Maybe, but um, like, would you be in, if if one if a couple invited you to go on a to go out to eat with them? Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it'd be even more awkward if there were two couples. And they invited you like, is that, how does that feel? Does that feel awkward? Because from a, from a married perspective, my assumption, my pre my presumption would be that, Oh, they'd probably feel awkward. Don't want a third wheel or fifth wheel or whatever. Yeah. Well, you yeah. can always ask them, you know, yeah. like some yeah. single people might yeah. feel uncomfortable with it. Others might feel comfortable with it. You can always just ask. I think, yeah, that, that, that's a really good point. Cause I think half, half the time it's about just being asked. Like, yeah. Just like, you know, even if I turn you down, I know then then it's like, well, they don't want to be rejected. But yeah, it's, I mean, it means a lot that someone thinks about you and be like, hey, do you want mm-hmm. to go out to dinner? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and there's been times where I've like, you know, traveled cross country and hung out with a friend who is married and I've, you know, get to know like their wife over the years or whatever. And so I become friends with them as a couple then. 
and we hang out together and it it works great you know mm-hmm. so why couldn't it happen in a local community as well yeah one of the things i thought about too was i really liked what emily was saying about having these spaces where married people from both genders single people from both sides can be can have be hanging out together and i've thought about that a lot too like if you're in a marriage men and women view like especially when it comes to spiritual matters they view god differently sometimes they have you know they have different just sometimes different approaches different insights that we can all benefit from and as a single guy a lot of times i i miss out on the, the spiritual insights that that women can have and i mean that that gets into the whole gender stereotype thing about you know women don't want to talk about theology or whatever in which i you know i've learned so much from the times that i've had those conversations with women on spiritual things on theology on whatever relationships or whatever whatever the topic might be even politics you can you know they have different opinions and and we can learn from each other and i think to have a yeah spaces where that can happen is what is very beneficial mm-hmm. and as far as my church like i've my church has done really well with i think um just we're a small church and so it's one of those things where everyone has to pitch in and everyone has to play a part and so as far as being feel, feeling valued by my church um, that, that has always been there. And I've never, I've never felt like I've been treated differently or not given a position or anything like that because of my, my single status. Hmm. And I've been very grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, like my, my come, my wokeness, my coming to awareness happened in a church meeting setting but I, I've actually talked with quite a few singles who feel like their church does a very good job at pulling them in um, and, and including them. So maybe if I'm hearing you all correctly, it might be just a little broader, like in our social life, our social realm, mm-hmm. um, having spaces where, where we interact. And, and I really resonate with what you guys are saying because um, so like Teresa and I, got married young and we got involved in ministry young we were overseas within a year and a half of our marriage so 22 she was 23 had one kid we moved overseas and overseas the well i mean any any church area is uh can be limited if if you're not from a big community but over there you you just have coworkers like the the people you're working with there and it was all either single people or couples that were about 10 years ahead of us and they had four kids um they were we we were newlyweds with one child um and and w- <laughs> just just in case any of them are listening um we really valued that space. Like it was, it, it, it felt like an older brother, older sister kind of community for us as young parents. They poured a lot. I've got some boys hollering in the background. I don't know if you can hear that, but um, they poured into us and just encouraged us as, as a young couple. And we really valued that. But 
we felt at Teresa talked about it a lot. Like you can get with mothers, you can kind of get in a rut of when you're together talking about child rearing and birthing and nursing and how all that's going and um, discipline issues and stuff. And, and before you know it, you've spent your hour and a half of being out for coffee or whatever. And, and having talked about deeper heart to heart things. Um, and she actually connected better. I actually shouldn't talk a whole lot for her. She's not in this part, but, um, I just remember her talking about the, uh, the way that like she really valued that going out with some of the single ladies I was teaching school and, and my coworkers were single ladies. Um, she valued their interaction as well because it was, it kind of took her out of, she's, she's mothering 24 seven and to have a space that's different and to interact with someone from a different perspective and hear. Um, and so I, I feel, and even, I can't remember the specific experience. We both were talking about it. It was one interaction where like, yeah, it was a mixed group, singles, married people. And we just came away like reminded how much we can learn. Actually, I mean, the reason we were thinking about this is because we, we had, I had just had that experience and we were talking, we, we'd been talking about single marriage and church and stuff like that. And, and then we went and had this interaction where, learning something about God and about theology happened from singles, from women, even. And I, I would like to enter that conversation a little bit if we have some time, but um, I do think we are uh, shorting ourselves as a church and as individuals, if we create, um, what do you call it? Like, echo chambers are just like where, where it's just the same marital status, same age, age range, same, even ethnic group, like all of that. We learn so much by each from interacting with each other. What, um, uh, maybe this is where my mind is. So we'll just go here. Um, one of the things I, I talked with some people about was I, I had reached out to some others to join us in our conversation earlier and uh and some of them had backed out and um one of the things that i've heard or it seems that talking about singleness is maybe a little bit more vulnerable for women and i'm curious how emily and kim what emily and kimberly think maybe in all fairness, I haven't talked recently with like a single guy who's in his forties or something like that. That might be a, a unique age range too, but, but I wonder how much do our gen, um, Abram touched on it a little bit, but how much do our stereotypes of gender roles play into how we view single? Uh, yeah. I mean, I could ramble a whole lot about even just our thoughts about women um, only being keepers at home and stuff like that. But um, I, I, yeah, I'm curious what, what you all think, and especially uh, Emily and Kimberly, is, is it, 
is there an added dynamic where because of expectations of how we function in our gender roles that it makes it difficult to function as a single or or yeah what are your thoughts on that yeah um yeah i think i've definitely noticed um some of that like i like i feel like i have single guy friends who can talk about being single and it's kind of not a big deal um unless they're unless they're like significantly older than i think the average age that people expect single people to be um it's generally not a big deal but like often it feels like when i talk about singleness or when or like when other women talk about singleness people almost feel like it's like an attack on motherhood Hmm. in some ways like i've definitely gotten that kind of thing like oh like don't you want to be like don't you want to be a mom like 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 i do think like the bible speaks very highly of motherhood um and so yeah and so it almost feels like there's not a space created because kind of like Emily was pointing out earlier, a lot of spaces that are made for women tend to be really focused around that are made for women in general tend to be really focused around motherhood. And so saying this space doesn't work for me or like, you know, this space isn't like, like I love hanging out with all of you, but I'm not getting anything from this space where we're talking about your kids. Um, and only that, and only the way that you relate to them and the way you relate to motherhood. Um, almost feels like you're saying like motherhood isn't important, which is not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying that like there are other, there are other facets of your life and other facets of my life and things that we should look at. Um, yeah. I mean, I've gone on about like the, the language yeah. you use around like how important motherhood is and how it can almost make it feel like if you're not a mom, that somehow like you haven't arrived. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, what, what is a single lady supposed to do if she's not a mom? Like it, we're, we're kind of stripping purpose from people when we, when we have this uh, narrowed view of the general. Yeah. Yeah. I think you end up in like, you end up in situations where like, I think, I feel like we've all probably interacted with people who just feel like they're in a holding pattern. Like there's not like, there's not like marriage on like, you know, they're not engaged. They're not like, they, there's no reason for them to feel like they can't move forward in their lives right now. And they can't, but they're like so afraid of like closing doors to mm. like marriage and motherhood that they just kind of don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad because like people have so much potential and so many things they could be doing in so many ways they could be serving the church and the Lord. Mm. Um, and they just kind of get stuck in this like, well, I don't want to mess it up because I should be aiming only at this one thing because that's when I'll arrive and that's when I'll attain. And that's just not the case. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that last point in particular, I have seen so much where like, I mean, I've always been, you know, I loved college and I would always talk to, to young men and girls like, have you considered college, whatever, whatever, whatever. And what I found was that like, I'm just going to say Mennonite women because I don't know about like the larger non-Mennonite culture. This is probably true of anyone in any sort of like conservative culture. Um, Women kind of are in this weird limbo where it's like you don't really want to put all the time and money and whatever into like a career or some sort of vocation or whatever if you're just going to get married and then it's like, well, there goes all my money I spent on college, you know, which I don't like the attitude because I, I feel like 
those skills will always, you always use them somehow, you know, but I get it. Like it sort of feels like you don't know which one you'll have. Will you be the mom or will you be the career woman? Whereas mm. it feels like with guys, they can just pick their like thing they want to do. And then whether they're married or not, like they're still, still doing that thing. And I'm honestly kind of envious of that. <laughs> and I can like, I get annoyed. Okay. I'm just going to like give you guys some free, whatever advice here. Um, I get annoyed when guys do this thing of like, well, like maybe someday I'll date and get married or whatever, but like, I have to figure my life out first. I have to figure everything out first. And then I'll be like ready to date because I get that. I get why there's an instinct to do that, but like girls don't have that privilege, you know, <laughs> like, we can't really completely figure our lives completely out until we know if we're going to like who we're going to marry or whatever, or like whatever, because it could all change, you know? <laughs> yeah. And from firsthand experience, like I missed that memo. Like <laughs> <laughs> I went and got married and it was like, Oh, I got to figure out life. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I, I get it, you know, if you have issues, work through them, whatever, but. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm curious, though, just to jump in on that a little bit, where do we get that? Like, is there, because I would have grown up with the impression that a guy should have, if not a 10 year plan, like have kind of what are you going to be doing with your life ready to tell the dad? Is, is that a... Mm. Is that a, yeah. I get that with like people who are very young and starting to date. I get that. Mm. Like, you know, you want to plan to provide for your family, whatever. Oftentimes I feel like older. And again, I don't, I don't want to speak for all women. I'm sure women, older single women would disagree with this, but I feel like a lot of older single women are really just willing to figure life out with you and they don't expect you to just have like everything figured out before you ask them that. Like they would rather have like some direction for their life figured out, even if you don't have everything figured out. I don't know, but you might disagree with that, Kimberly. Like that's super no, fine. I, I do because like, like if, like if I think about marriage, like I think about wanting to like walk alongside someone and wanting to journey with them. I don't want them to like take me by the hand and pull me wherever they decided yes. they were going nine years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, I will, I, I will jump in and say, I think, I think I've thought about it just recently uh, thought about it quite a bit more with having some of these conversations with people. And I thought, you know, I think single women do have it a lot harder. Like I'm, I'm definitely in a privileged position as a single man, because if bottom line is if I decide I really want to get married, like I can start asking around, like <laughs> it's, it's something that, you know, it, it, I, I have that privilege and that opportunity. Whereas a single woman is, is, and it, yeah, she's, if she really want desperately wants to get married, she doesn't have a whole lot of options other than maybe, you know, maybe talk to some of her married friends and say, Hey, I really like, and that's something I think I'd love to touch on as well is it's not wrong for single people to admit that they desire marriage. And, and, and I think to there's times where single people, I think we can be open to asking some of our married friends that we're really close to and saying, Hey, may, are there, like, especially if it's a guy that's asked three girls and they've all turned them down, 
Like maybe, maybe ask one of your married friends that, you know, fairly well and ask them, do I have some character flaws that I need to work on? You know, I've asked three girls and they've all turned me down. Um, or, or I think in the same thing, you know, for a, a, a single female to, to be able to say, not, not ask like, why aren't guys asking me out maybe, but to say, Hey, I wouldn't mind getting set up. Like if you know some single guys, I mean, that, I don't think there's any harm in that. Um, and so I hmm. think there's times where that those, that can happen. Christopher, you look like you're thinking something. Well, I just, I, I agree with Abram and I disagree with him. <laughs> I, uh, I get, I totally get what he's saying, but like, I guess there's also other perspectives, which I think Abram would say, would agree with me that like, I mean, there's, I, I mean, I, I think, I think we all have character flaws. And so that's not a bad piece of advice. But at the same time, like sometimes it it's, has nothing to do with character. It's just there's yeah. no chemistry be, or no mm-hmm. interest, you know, between the parties or whatever. Um, so so sometimes it's you know it would, I I kind of wish it would be just as easy as being like, hey, what are these character flaws? You know, if we're talking about dating here, um, what are these character flaws that I need to work on so that next time I ask a girl out, you know, it it's all smooth sailing. Um, for some, for some, I mean, for every guy, I think that's a good thing to do, um, or, or woman, but, but that's not always going to, you know, guarantee success as far as dating goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sorry, I'll, I'll let you talk Kimberly in just a bit, but I just, I, I wanted to add that, um, it's, I would say that's really dangerous if you don't have a friend who's seen you ask all those people out because you're probably going to act a little different depending on the person you ask out and and depending on their personality and to just be, yeah, I I could go more on that. Um, Because yeah, I I just think it'd be healthier if it's someone who's seen your life from a whole span. And if there's something that seems to be underlying in all of them, Kimberly, what were you going to say? I was just saying that I kind of see that, but I also like, I don't know, like I, like I would like to like kind of, untether the language of character flaws from reasons that people are still single mm-hmm. yeah. um, just yeah. because number one i like i expect and hope that the people that i go to church with and the people that i'm close to are always going to be calling me to work on my character flaws and yeah. to grow in holiness mm-hmm. um apart from whether or not i ever get married or ever express like yeah um but also because there tends to be this thing where people will and they say it jokingly and then they say it less jokingly than they don't say it at all anymore where they're like, where they're like, why are you still single? Like you, like as though like if you're not married, like there must be like you must have like a secret arm growing out of your back that you haven't told people about. And like, yeah, I just like that gets really weird as though like if you're not married, that somehow because you have some deep dark character flaw or like can't interact with people, um, and that's not usually the case. I mean, sometimes yeah. it is, but that's usually not the case. Well, one of the things that I've thought about a lot about is because it's really, you know, you have that. And I mean, Christopher's asked, I think you've asked me, or did I just give my thoughts without you asking me? Um, Probably some of both. But I've, you know, I have other friends that I've thought of, thought about this, or actually I think about it a lot when I look at, um, 
women who aren't married, I, you know, I've got, I have two sisters and, and two, uh, well, I have more sister-in-laws, but that are of age to, to be married. And there's, there's two things. I'm going to say something and then they'll call me up and be like, why did you say that? Um, and, and, uh, I, I forget which one of you touched on this, but the whole thing of wanting marriage, but also totally okay with being single. But when when we were talking about like, why is someone not married? It's puzzled me sometimes because I can't say definitively, Abram, you're the one who brought this up. So I'm going to talk that, that um, there's always a, character flaw in someone that I can point out if anything like I would look at a lot of like myself and younger people and think man there's a lot of hardship ahead because of of just kind of some of the self-serving attitudes or something that we we uh, maybe aren't aware of and then you like get hit hard with them when you're married um and it that sounded really dramatic. Like that can, it's just a reality. Like when you're in relationship with, with someone close, you discover how selfish you are. And I like, I've, I've had to rethink my view of God because of some, sometimes like that. We, we tend to think that God works in, you know, if you do things in a certain way or just right, like then he'll open up the next door for you. And for whatever mysterious reason, that's just not the case. Like sometimes the path that, you know, the, the path that he had me on got, got me married at 21 and, and that there was absolutely no prerequisites that I managed to get done faster than the rest of you or than my siblings. Um, and so it, it, I guess it kind of forces me to, to think about God's will in a much bigger, I think, bigger or at least nuanced sense that it's not like there's this linear path that all humans are on. Um, but then kind of, yeah, I don't maybe maybe some of you guys have more thoughts on that or um, something I was curious about is the the tension, you know, this year has kind of made us all face multiple realities that seem to conflict with each other, right? Like there's a pandemic that is spreading all across the globe that needs to be dealt with. Well, if you lock everything down, then the economy crashes. And so it, it seems like they're binary. Like, no, you, you got to keep the economy open so well if people die. But we're forced to reconcile the fact that, like, these are two realities that just are. And they seem to conflict. And I've thought about that with the whole thing of being single and wanting marriage. Um like, do you get, would you guys talk about that a little bit? Like, how is that? Because we do that. Um, like even, uh, Kimberly, you were talking about it. Like I, I've done that. Like I have friends that are older friends that are single that I like to joke with and be like, you know, maybe try to match them up or, you know, try to 
tease with them a little bit about it because not because I'm sitting here thinking like, man, you just don't have a life without being married. But, but like, just, it's just what I do is, but how does that feel? And then, and then the reaction is to just, Oh, well, I'm not going to do anything. Or like, if, if, if you express a desire to get married, then you must be really desperate or something. Would you, would you guys talk a little bit about that? Like, what is that tension like? Yeah, I want to say a little bit about the the th- statement I made about character flaws. Like, yeah, I that was specifically I was thinking about one story someone told me. Yeah, of that was his experience was a friend that that asked out three girls, and you know he he just couldn't understand what was. And then finally, like I don't know if he had who he had the conversation with or whatever, but he he changed some things about himself, and it worked out for him to get married then. And his lament was, why didn't someone point these out to me sooner? Mm. Like, why didn't someone come along and say, Hey, you, you do come off as an obnoxious jerk sometimes. And maybe you need to work on that. Maybe you need to work on how you develop relationships with people. And when he did that, when he, you know, when he worked on that, his personal thing, it worked out for him to get married. Um, But one of the things I had written down here was, you had asked the question, what do you wish people knew about singles and singleness? And one of the things I just thought about was we aren't that different or weird. And so, yeah, I, I absolutely am like for, for myself, like wanting, yeah, the whole thing of um, singleness for some people is a calling. It's, it's something that they look at as a life vocation of, of singleness and serving and, and there's many ways that singles can serve that, a lot quicker, a lot different than a married person. We're just not as tied down. And so we, we're, we're able to do those things freer. We're able to travel. You know, I can decide on taking a trip. I don't have to consult with my wife and plan around, you know, kids, school and anything like that. Like I can decide to take a trip and as long as it works out with work, I'm, I'm fine. So there's a lot of those things that are, that it just works out better. Um, when you're single and you're able to do more and so yeah a lot of people there's I mean there's some really really great single people and that I think just look at it as a a life calling and but I also think the other side of it it's not wrong for a single person to express desire for marriage someday Mm -hmm. and just to tack on to the end of that um I do I I think we have a bit of a wrong under or skewed understanding of discipleship and ministry. If like what you said is right. Singles have space, even just um, like a a mom who's homeschooling is going to, is going to need some kind of mental space at some point, if she's also going to be involved in an evening ministry or something that's um, and, and somebody who's single it it might be easier, but it bothers me a little bit how sometimes we put in our ministry while we're single and then it kind of stops mm-hmm. after we get married. And we, we still need to find ways to structure our lives that as a married couple and mm-hmm. as family, it's involving other people and it's involving ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, being a volunteer on the fire department, and serving with prison ministry as well. One of the things I've, you know, 
we, I've joked about with some other guys is like, you almost got to get these guys when they're single to start volunteering with something because then it comes with the package when they get married. Because like, I, I haven't had that experience myself, but I had a, you know, a married friend tell me that does prison ministry with me that, that he's had, he's literally asked friends to go prison ministry, do prison ministry with him. And they're all excited about him. They go home and they tell their wives and their wives tell them, no, you're not doing that. And you're not allowed to talk to him anymore. <laughs> and wow. and so it, you know, where, where it's just, I think, yeah, absolutely. It just because someone gets married and has a couple kids doesn't mean they can't be doing ministry. Uh, it's, they're going to have to learn how to balance it. Um, and that's going to be tougher, but it's not that, yeah, you can't do it. You still can't do it. When, yeah. Asher, you were talking about um, the tension of being single and w- still wanting marriage. I, like one thing, one thing that I think about is um, like, number one, I, I don't think we like tension. Like, I don't think we, we, we want it to be this, this or this. And it's hard to, to live in the, in, in tension. It's just hard to, to stay there. We want it to resolve. Um, but but I also think just in general, like to for me to say, to to be open about like, hey, I'm I'm content in my singleness, but like I would like to be married someday. It it makes it awkward. Like we don't know what to do with that because number one, like number one, am I being passive aggressive? Am I trying to throw hints to somebody in the group or where you know in my life or whatever? You know, then what what do they do with that? And like. You know, why don't I just come out and say it if I if I want to ask the girl out, like just say it, you know, or or like, uh, yeah, I, I think people just don't know what to what to do with it if you're open about it, and so it's easier just to be like, well, I'm focused on this right now or whatever, you know, and and kind of couch it in in a more approachable way. Um, yeah, I had a th- I had a thought that. I lost, but yeah, like, I think, I think we just don't like to be awkward and we don't like to be intention. And I mean, as a guy, it is a little bit weirder to, to be like, Hey, I would like to be married. And everyone looks at you and you're like, well, do something about it. Like, but, but I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, it's, it's not, if we're being vulnerable, it's not like I haven't tried, you know, like, um, and, and, and so like, here we are, you know, but I mean, th- that's another thing too, is that it's vulnerable. Like who, who, cause there's a possibility of if, if I say I would like, you know, I desire marriage, then like, there's this, this weird thing of like everyone around me thinks I'm weird or, or I'm like a creep or like, I'm just kind of whatever, like all these little mental things that go on in my mind. And so then I, you know, I keep it quiet or I, you know, whatever. I don't know. It, it, it reminds me of um, a joke that my friend texted me the other day. I was like, what if, what if we, exp- you know, you know, like when puppies are happy, they can't help but express it and they wag their tail. And like, what if, what if that's how we express joy? And it'd be super awkward to be around your crush because you would just immediately start wagging your tail. <laughs> and and he, he just sent me this funny little thought. It's just like, imagine how weird this would be. And like the thing that I thought about was like, well, maybe we would just be more open and vulnerable with each other and honest, and maybe that would actually be healthier. And I, I think we tend to keep things so hidden. Like what if we actually, like what if, what if I was actually okay with expressing joy when I was around somebody that I had an interest in or I, 
but I mean, there's so many creepy, yeah, like say that to the wrong person and, and they're going to be creepy about it. But like, I'm just kind of rambling here, but like, what if, what if we actually, you know, let our feelings wear on our sleeves a little bit and we're okay with that. And, and what if, what if that was okay? Like, what if, what if the person didn't reciprocate and we were just, we just all kind of lived in that tension. Like, I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling here. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think there's like so much like, like people feel like they can't actually say what they feel. And so then because everyone assumes that nobody's saying what they feel, they like read all these things and interactions that people are having with them that just make everything like a hundred times more uncomfortable and unhelpful. Like, like it's so for instance, like, because like women often feel like they can't express if they're interested in someone or then people assume that like whenever a woman is like friendly that like oh they're being really flirty and they must be really into them and so then you start getting into words like like now we're saying that everyone's really flirty and everyone's really when like they could just like you because you're a decent person like they don't have interested in you but if people would just be more honest about like what they're actually feeling what their actual thoughts are i mean you know within reasonable limits and you know like not being a weirdo like like you know if people would just do those things it would cut down on so much like tension and so much like so many awkward interactions where it feels like especially like entering like more kingdom circles where it feels like men kind of hang out over here and all the women hang out over here and we all talk about how we'd like to hang out with each other but then we don't <laughs> no one does. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to speak to that too as well because I personally I really in, have enjoyed my single years. Like I had I did a lot of fun things and it, it was really interesting because it was actually well I'm not like the most in touch with my feelings person and as I was writing my book and my editor was like, write about your feelings more, write about your feelings more. I discovered that I was like actually way lonelier than I thought I was. And so then I, you know, I'm stuck with this dichotomy of like living a really fun independent life, but also being lonely. And it's hard to be open about that. Not even just because it's vulnerable, but also just because since it's a dichotomy, it will probably be misunderstood. And if people like really get how hard it is to be lonely and to not have someone there that like is obligated to notice if you're not doing well, um, well then you like feel this like pity from them and like, oh poor you, you live such a hard life. And it's not like, well, I, I feel like I live a good life too, though. You know, is so it just makes it I guess it just makes it easy to feel misunderstood. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of like I had I had posted this thing. I think it was Christopher had something about singleness, and oh. like I posted something that I was like I was very proud of this thought, which was a lot of desires that we have, like for myself, desire to publish books, desire to like learn to code or to travel or to like have international friends or whatever. If I like have these things that I want to achieve but haven't achieved yet it's seen as something that makes me a more interesting person, a more like full, well-rounded person. It's not seen as like, Oh, you poor thing. You don't have enough international friends, you know, but then with singleness, it's not something that makes you like more interesting. If you want to be married, it's like something that's very much pitied. 
and yeah, it just makes it hard to, to open up about. Yeah. So it, our, um, our time is kind of running up oh, and it yeah. feels like we're just getting into things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like one, one of the things that I'm hearing from you guys and you, you can let me know if I'm hearing correctly, but is um, maybe just acknowledging and, and talking with you guys about, so whether it's going out or coming over or whatever, doing something with a, a couple asking like we thought of you would you be into that or is that awkward um and then even just asking like is it so i guess to wrap up what we've just talked about is it awkward to be asked about those feelings like hey where are you at like would you like to get married or by a friend like obviously a a large group setting maybe that's totally different but like to have friends in initiating like exploring like um or how do you how do you keep from cornering singles yeah. into a little box that that is awkward if they don't quite fit in there? I guess that's what I'm asking. Yeah, I don't know. I just think. Oh, sorry. I'll, no, I'll no, do go it real ahead. quick here. I think in general, like the thing you have to remember about singles is there's not like one single experience. Like you mm-hmm. just ultimately have to ask them. Even things like, do you want to be set up on a date? Is that weird for you? Um, do you want to go to this group? Are you comfortable talking about loneliness? I just think you just have to ask your friends these questions and feel them out because it's not going to be the same for every single person. Mm-hmm. Every single, <laughs> single person. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what I was going to say. I mean, it, it like question, you know, every, everybody's different. Everybody wants different things. And there's times in my life where I would maybe be more open to, you know, for example, getting set up on a date or something. And then there's other times where that would make me really mad and, and kind of frustrated at you. And and then it would also depend on who it is. Like, um, you know, certain people, if they ask me questions like that or like throughout suggestions or whatever, uh, like it could make me irritated and mad or it could mean a lot to me. And th- so, that's really complicated. That doesn't answer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, just like ask me a question, see if I get mad. <laughs> I, so I, I have something I want to throw at you. I'm afraid it might open up a whole nother conversation. But like what I'm hearing is it sounds like to be a good friend would be in tune with you to to a similar degree that I am with my wife, where I kind of know, like I, I'm not because I've always asked her like every direct question but just because we've done enough life together and we've we've had heart-to-heart conversations or whatever that i can kind of tell like if she's feeling like leaning one way if she's feeling comfortable if she's feeling uncomfortable or whatever my question is like i don't know that i had and i don't have at the moment friends other than maybe siblings like i think i'm i know my siblings and even in-laws maybe well enough to kind of sense that but I don't know that I have friends that I, I would feel confident in saying like, I mean, if it was a, you know, I have some friends that I could tell if they really like a girl, like obviously like some of those emotions might show themselves a little bit more. But my question is, do we need, like is part of what we're getting at a need to rethink 
or overhaul relationships in general? Like, it, it, would it be better for we? It's easy for us to think like, oh, I'm married. I've got that great relationship now. Because, and part of this is coming from the fact that my wife and I, our marriage has been great and it's, we love it. And we celebrate our anniversary just yesterday. And I, I told her that like, it's been way easier than I thought it would be, <laughs> which I always cross my fingers on because <laughs> soon we're going to have a big argument or something. But, um, but one of the things that both of us have felt the longer we go in marriage is the the need for friendships outside of marriage. And it just seems like, and there was no intentional like cutting off of people. If anything, it happened because of living overseas and so forth. But, um, but, but there was also just kind of a, like, I didn't think about that fact. It wasn't conscious. I didn't consciously cut people off when I got married. But I didn't think about the fact that I, even as a man, like we even have those stereotypes, like women are relational, men are whatever, goal-driven, or I don't know. But like, even men need relationships. Um, and do we, as a couple, my wife and I, like, are we friends with people close enough that we can kind of sense like when they're, how they're feeling because we've talked with them about these things or we've done enough life with them. Like, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Or like, is, is, are we talking, are we touching on just a lack of meaningful relationships period? I mean, in some ways, maybe like, obviously the closer you are friends with someone, the less likely they are to get offended. If you accidentally say the wrong thing, like whatever, but just personally, I don't expect anyone to be able to read my mind and automatically know because they're friends with me, whether I'd be willing to be set up on a blind date or not. Like I'd rather You can ask me, are you comfortable being set up on a blind date? If I say no, then they will go like, okay, cool. If I say yes, they'll be like, well, I know this guy, you know. I don't expect anyone to read my mind and just like be so close to me that they just know what I'm feeling. But that Mm -hmm. could just be my personality. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for myself, I'm I'm one I'm a person that's pretty open to ask answering about any question someone's gonna ask me if I know I can trust them. Like if they're just asking out of curiosity to satisfy their own curiosity, they're not going to get an answer out of me. But if they actually, if I know that they actually care, like, yeah, it, they might be surprised by the answer, but, or, or they might not be, but, but I think, yeah, I'm, I'm one that's not going to be offended by someone asking if I know that they, and I've had people ask me that mm-hmm. and, but I knew that they really, really cared about me and it wasn't coming from just curiosity. Um, if there were, you know, if, yeah, if, if I would have sensed that it was just curiosity and they, they really didn't care, but they were just trying to satisfy their own curiosity, I would, I would have been a lot more offended. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm weird in this. I'm, I'm, I'm super hard to offend. Um, <laughs> I feel like you have to do a lot and then you have to be clear that you're doing it on purpose. Um, but yeah, I think if people are asking, and I think just like respecting what I say and not coming at it yeah. with like preconceived ideas, yeah. like because I'm going to respond a lot differently if someone just says, "Hey, I thought about this. I don't know what you were thinking. Like, what are you thought? What are your thoughts?" Versus like, "Well, what are your thoughts?" And then if I like say no or something, being like, "Oh, like, well, I thought you wanted to get married. Like, these right. are separate. <laughs> like, yeah. like don't like present someone with the box you think they should yeah. be in, and then be mad when they're not in." Mm-hmm. I think was probably more my thing. Oh, that's a good. So basically, learning to ask open-ended and clarifying questions 
instead of questions that come from a presumption or something. But you, you talked about relationships, and I think this is something that's especially bad for men, but it's not just men, that I think there is a lack of meaningful relationships, period. And I mean, I've talked this, I've talked with this with some of the guys I do prison ministry with, and these guys are ending up in their 40s and their 50s and their 60s, and they're looking around and going, I don't have any close friends, or, or guys that even they retire from work, and all of a sudden, their work was their life. And now they're stuck at home with their wife. She has all her friends she's going out and shopping with and going to coffee with. And they look around and go, I don't have anyone. And, and so like for some of these guys, like that I do prison ministry with, that's their friend group. Like they'll, they'll go in and do these weekly mentorings as, or, or whatever, you know, small groups or whatever they're doing and leading in prison and that's their all of a sudden their friend group. Like and 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 we've had those heart to heart conversations. I've had them with those older guys that just all of a sudden they found themselves at a place where they just don't have close friends, and that's sad. Like I, I really, mm. I really feel for them, and I see it even in my own life. Like if I'm not intentional about developing and maintaining deep friendships, how easily I could get to that place too, where all of a sudden I just find myself at a place where I don't have any meaningful, deep relationships with other people. And that can happen to someone that's married or single. Yeah. Yeah. What somebody, one of you made the comment earlier that made me think about this and I forget now who it was or what the comment was, but, um, Oh no, no, it was me. <laughs> I made a comment. <laughs> and then I was rethinking that. And I was <laughs> you inspired yourself. <laughs> No, I, I was I, I said something about the like the the journey that God has had me on, like I got got me married at twenty one. Um and I'm just curious what when you hear somebody say that, how does what do you feel or what do you think? Because especially as people who do desire to get married, um what do you do with desires that it you really have that are really strong and yet like you haven't had them fulfilled yet? And, and what has that taught you about God or have you, is that something you wrestle with, with God? Even the fact, like I look at, I'll, I'll kind of blend that question with another question. Like what, what do you learn about God that is maybe unique, a, a uniquely single person perspective. Um, and something I think about a lot is we look at God and we see how much he references himself and his people as a marriage and a married couple. And so it's like marriage is this epitome of God's union with humanity and um wedding sermons talked about like how before the fall, God said it was not good. That man is alone, you know? And so this is the intent design for men and women to be married. Um, have you, have you struggled with that at all? And what do you do with some of those narratives and, or the desire to to be married, but that 
God hasn't opened up that door yet? Like, has that been a, a place of, of conflict for you personally? <laughs> Do you feel yeah, comfortable I, answering I, that? <laughs> I, I think I'll, yeah, I'll say a couple things. Um, definitely. I think the whole, yeah, I think God did make us for relationship. And I think that that's very important. I think, companionship is something that every single one of us, I think deeply desires the whole companionship, commitment, friendship, but a very, like a deep friendship. Um, And so companionship and companionship can be found outside of marriage. Like it's going to be different. It's not going to be the same as it would be inside of a, a marriage commitment. That is, is something that's bound for life. Um, and so, but I think it, it absolutely can be something that's found outside. Um, a book that I've really enjoyed on that sort of along that topic is Wesley Hill's book, uh, Spiritual Friendships. Um, he, he, it, he wrote a whole book on that, of the idea of finding commitment or, yeah, having commit, like even a committed friendship. And that you see that, you don't see that as much today, but you see that more, especially when you read literature um, of just, people long ago, even some of the, I think some of the founders had like friendships where they would write back and forth and they, they get all like these, this two guys. And it's a completely like, it's a non-sexual relationship. There's nothing weird or fishy going on, but they're writing to each other, these long passionate letters uh, that today would just, you know, it would Mm -hmm. seem really weird. And we'd all sort of look at it and go, that's a little weird. But those things did happen, and and I think we've lost some of that because of just the culture, the current culture of where everything is so sexualized, that that we've lost a lot of that. And so, I think there is every one of us has that desire for companionship, and that, that can be. I think God did design marriage for a purpose, and and so the majority of the time, that's how that d- desire is going to be fulfilled in some way, but I think there's something for, for single people as well that, that God did design us that way. Um, he made us social creatures and, um, you know, something that as far as a view of God, I don't know if my view of God would be different than someone who's married. Um, but definitely I think someone who's single, sometimes married people can tend to sort of um, look to their spouse for uh, spiritual guidance that maybe they should be looking to God for. And they, that there's a way where they can, they can sort of maybe lose touch. I don't know. Cause I've never been married, but I think there is a part where, where, and I've heard this, some married people express this, where there's the part where they sort of lost touch with God. Like they, they maybe didn't pray as much or something like that. Like they lost some of that when, when they got married that maybe they, they had when they were single, the, the conversational prayer life or something like that, that, that changed some. And um, so I think that's very important for a single person and for married people to have that. Personally, I get a little bit annoyed when I feel like people are over-spiritualizing marriage. <laughs> but I don't know if that's fair. I mean, it does, the Bible does talk a lot about marriage in spiritual terms. So I don't know. Sometimes it, it can kind of insinuate that you're like not a spiritual if you're single. Um, 
which I don't really think is fair because I mean, well, obviously Paul talks about, you know, he has this whole singleness chapter thing um, to comfort us and make us feel like we're spiritual too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do think at least for me personally, um, this year in particular with COVID and everything, and I think the combination of COVID and of writing my book and trying to like dig into my feelings and realizing that I actually was lonely. Um, I don't know. It kind of made me discover that if you truly lean into these things and like stop trying to like just feel your feelings, if you're lonely or whatever, um, and then take them to Jesus. Like there is a, a really deep, connection you can have with Jesus through that. I, it's sort of a thing of like, it's a combination of, it's a combination of like something kind of like fasting. Like when you're fasting, you're giving up something in order to have a deeper relationship with Jesus. I think it's like similar to that. And also just whenever Jesus feels like all you have right now, there's going to be a deep connection there. Um, that's my personal experience. Uh, take take what you will from it. Hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say. So I definitely agree with the kind of the spirit, like the spiritualization of marriage kind of thing. Sometimes gets to me as though that it's like the again, like the pinnacle, like the, like you've arrived now. Um, because marriage is a marriage is a sign that points us towards the relationship between Christ and the church. And so, if the church has people that because they aren't married feel that feel like they like can't really be a part of the body like that body could be made up of 20 like of the perfect most healthy most christ-like marriages um and if if they have like you know these three single people that like feel like that have been made to feel like they can't actually fully participate in that in that life then they're not playing out that picture of christ in the church that they've been called to and if you're like holding on to this very good thing Oh, and in such a way that it's making you miss the best thing, that's that's unfortunate um, for everyone involved. Um, my perspective of that, is, of the marriage thing, is a little bit strange also just because, like, so before I wasn't Catholic anymore, I was, like, really considering entering the convent. Um, so I had, like, really seriously had to wrestle with this idea that, like, I wanted to be married and I wanted kids, but, like, I would give it all up and then never, ever in my life get married and, like, what to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um and the number one, I was seeing all these women who had like really robust relationships um, with each other and with the Lord. Um, and it didn't feel like they were missing out um, because they weren't married. Um, but also I really had to come to a very succinct, like a, like an acute point of saying like, you know, is, is the Lord enough for me? Um, and so interestingly, as I kind of left that and then said like, oh no, I really do want to get married and I really do want to have kids. Um, yeah, and as I kind of said those things, it was, it felt like it was in a much healthier way where it was like, if this doesn't happen, like I understand that the Lord is big enough to it, like he made my heart and so he can fulfill the desires of my heart, even if he doesn't do it in the way that I thought he would, or in the way that seems like the most normal. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, my thoughts were kind of similar, I think, to what they said. Um I'm about to make some statements that I'd, I'm willing to walk back if they're not theologically sound, but um, no, the, 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 the place that my mind went to was 
the the idea that marriage is the picture i think is pretty clear like it's not marriage isn't the thing like god and in his relationship with the church jesus and in the church are the thing that marriage is reflecting um and i th- i think as an extension of that the church is the priority like the the family of god um the th- the thing that i've learned i think through my singleness that has taught me about god is is this idea that like um i think there's a verse that talks about god putting the solitary in families um and how kind of piggybacking on what Kimberly was saying about how like like you can have like if if you're so for, you know for the last and I think rightfully so like I think we were trying to correct bad um, poor family structure and stuff from I don't know the 60s or whatever um, but for the last you know 40 years or so um, you know we've been focusing on you know the the family structure and trying to create healthy families and and having fathers at home and and whatever. And we've, we've really focused and prioritized the family and we've neglected the family of God, the church. And, and this is where I'm, I'm not sure if this is theologically sound to say or not, but I think the, the church is the priority. And if people like Kimberly was saying are feeling left out and are feeling um, not just feeling left out, but are actually being left out and being neglected and aren't being discipled and aren't being brought into homes and taken care of, whether that whether they're the stranger or the poor or, I mean, I think to a, to a degree, even single people, um, if they're being neglected, then I think I think we're actually like failing as a church um, because I, I think marriage and families are, at the end of the day, just the picture, not the thing. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, is that clear or do I need to clarify that? That makes sense to me, Adam. Yeah, no, that does make sense. Do you know what the, how the new Testament most often refers to uh, Christians? As brothers like, and sisters? Yeah, it's, it's familial language. Like I, I think of like the concept of believers is actually a very rare concept. Mm-hmm. I think there's just a couple couple um uh references to it but saints is fairly often but uh familial language like um even paul refers to himself as father like he doesn't refer to himself as definitely not pastor um but he he talks to them as father or the people he's discipling as children they're his children um and so like one of the the questions is like what is what is the uh, uh there's a theological word for it that i'm forgetting but like the central core understanding of paul's gospel um and it would seem i and i would agree with this that uh paul sees our faith in christ actually like we join union with christ and then as as people of God, like we become brothers and sisters and it's a, a completely new community. So I, I agree. And maybe I don't think I'm, and I've heard Val Yoder say something similar to this. So that <laughs> I think we're safe. Um, the, uh, 
that are like brothers and sisters in Christ, we actually have more, uh, I don't know the word, but more in common, more closeness than flesh brothers and sisters if they're not in Christ. And then that enters in a whole conversation we could have about family and our emphasis on family and all of that. But we have gone over the six o'clock mark here. So I think uh, we'll wrap it up there. Um, I'm just curious if anybody else has any um, final thoughts or, or even just like what is, there's one thing. Yeah. Like what, what is one thing you would like to say to people, your friends, the church, <laughs> your married friends, like you shared what you wish people knew about singleness, but maybe, maybe there's something you wish we, as a married couple, you wish married people knew about themselves that we don't think about or something. Does that make sense? Like what is one thing you just be like, Oh, I just wish I could say this. And if you don't have anything, that's fine. Just, I just, I'm not good with on the fly things like that. I have to think about <laughs> it for a while first. So I don't think I have anything. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I can think of something. I think I've, just off the top of my head, I would, I am incredibly grateful for how well I have been received by my married friends. Like, like I, I honestly, like it's, it's really easy to, for the singleness conversation to be kind of embedded in complaint, I think, um, or at least that's the way some people take it. And sometimes that's the way we approach it. Um, but like, I, I genuinely think through my friends and on the whole, like of my close friends who have gotten married, which is pretty much all of them. Like they've, they've all treated me very well. And like, there were rough patches. It's kind of this, this, the type of thing that when they start dating, you just kind of wait for them to get engaged and married and then you can be friends again. So maybe, <laughs> maybe there's something we could talk about, but, um, but I understand, like, I, I understand that dating is, is hard and dating isn't always as, as like, like if anything, like I, I know. Yeah. Anyways, I don't want to talk about dating, but um no, I, I'm really grateful for the way that, like, even even if I don't know my friends' girlfriends or, or even my, like, female friends who have started dating other guys, like, even if I don't know the other person super well, like, they, they receive me into their life and then they accept me and they keep treating me with dignity and with love and they're curious about my thoughts and they poke fun at me and, like, they just treat me like a normal human being that they love and I feel their love and that that means a tremendous amount to me um and so I guess I guess I would just I would just say like I really it really means a lot to me when when you accept me and invite me into your lives um however that looks yeah I don't really have any answer to your question there Asher but just yeah sort of two final thoughts that I would have is one that we had talked about loneliness, but definitely, you know, loneliness is something that, that happens in whether you're someone's in marriage or outside of marriage. And I think it's something that needs to be talked out about a lot more, um, whether it's singleness or even in, you know, there's a lot of lonely people that are in marriages that are very lonely. And um, so, but then the other thing is too, I wanted to just say to single people is like to encourage other singles, like 
there it's so easy and, and the girls talked about this about some being in limbo mode but this this but even guys can get in that mode too where and it's very easy especially for me like i'm one that it's very easy for me to sit there and have a pity party for myself and just you know think through all my emotions and just start feeling really sorry for myself um and i have to catch myself and like there's times where i just you know i have to it, yeah i wish it wouldn't be that i'd always have to make the first interaction and i usually don't but at, you know call up someone ask them to go out to eat or you know, just ask different things like that. Just, you know, um, yeah, I think there's, there's things like that we can do where we can stick our neck out and, and just sometimes just go for it on some of those things. Even I, as like, I'm a single guy, uh, for the most, uh, yeah, the last year or so, at least I've lived by myself and I, I invite people over. Like I love cooking and I love hosting people. And so I've done that and it, you know, it was a little different at first. It's not something you normally expect, but it, it works. And, and I've really enjoyed it. And so there's, you'll, you'll, I think if you, if you're just in limbo mode and sometimes when you stick your neck out and do some things like, well, yeah, last year. Yeah. Last year I started a gardening for a hobby too, which is not something you normally think of a single guy has as a mm-hmm. hobby, but it's something that has really brought me a lot of joy and I, I plan to continue that hobby. So mm. I think there's things like that we can do as single people that um, will help us, I think, find joy in, in our life that we can too many times just be sort of stuck in that limbo mode. Mm. Yes. Um, I would echo what, what Chris said about just um, being really grateful for like, like I'm really grateful for the way that like I've been included and I would just say like as a church, we should be pursuing unity um, and avoiding segregating across like weird, like lines um, at all points when it happens. Um, just like not only for the benefit of single people, but for the benefit of married people and for the benefit of the church as a whole. Um, if we're a body, you know, we need to learn from each other and we need to operate together as one. Um, and I don't think drawing those lines does anything for anyone. So kind of being intentional about resisting that urge from both sides would be Probably very beneficial. Yeah, that is very good. Well, thank you guys. I did think of something now because I had time. You know, I had time while you guys all talked. Um, uh, What I was going to say is, I feel like any group, like people, can get super paranoid about, like, what if I say something that offends them? What if I do things the wrong way? Whatever, whatever. And like, yes, we single people do complain a lot about like how we're treated and stuff. But we are so ready to forgive. Like, yeah. if hmm. you say the wrong thing and then, like, you figure out it's wrong and you apologize, or even if you just try, or if you make an effort, invite us to stuff, like, we're so ready to be grateful and forgive. And, like, we just want to be your friend. We're not yeah. that <laughs> Well, and you saying that kind of reminds me, like, I think, like, we, anybody who's not, there's several different conversations that this is true of it. We, we could talk about ma- difference in marriages, marriage, marital status, or, um, different of ethnic background, um, different of whether you live in a rural area versus a city area. Like there's differing perspectives and opinions and statements that are made that can be really offensive. And sometimes when you're wanting to learn and to understand we we almost 
like we're scared of asking the wrong thing and then getting people getting upset at us. And maybe we just need to be okay with like people getting upset at us. Like that's a part of the fun adventure of learning. And, and like hearing you say like that you're ready to forgive is kind of relieving. It's like, you know, it's, it's not like we have to have the question and even maybe for ourselves, just like acknowledging that there's so much we don't know. Like, I don't know, am I asking this the right way? Am I, Mm -hmm. um, and just approaching it that way or it's okay if they like give you no answer and they feel like you're being microaggressive or whatever. And you, you have to go ask somebody else, what did I do? You know, like that's, that's probably fine. Anyways, thank you guys for coming on and um, for sharing with us. And I hope that it's the reason this matters to me, I guess, is because I do believe that there are a lot of people who have, a lot to speak into our lives. Um, You've all mentioned it in the body of Christ, whether that's about decisions being made or whether that's about our perspective of God or even just like what is healthy or unhealthy in relationships and dynamics. And I think we miss that because of some of our stereotypes about marriage and singleness. I think we we didn't get into this at all in this conversation, but I, from, for the, my line of work, what really interests me is figuring out or coming to understand a better vision of sexuality that God has that is more holistic and not just narrowed to marriage and so forth. And, and that includes maybe a, a rethinking of what relationships are like, a rethinking of perhaps even gender roles and so forth like that. And so that's kind of what's behind exploring this topic and, and understanding people's experiences more. And thank you for coming on and, and giving your time with us in this way. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs>